When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, tech fans, and welcome into the latest Tech Sideline podcast originating from TSL's high tech studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. Whether you're listening on our podcast or you're watching live on Facebook, thanks so much for being with us. We're recording on Thursday, January 31st, 2019. I'm your proud host, Devin Hughes. We're pleased to be joined. We've got Will Stewart, we've got Chris Coleman. We're ready to talk some hokey sports, but before we do that, I think we have to acknowledge the biggest storyline about the town of Blacksburg in the last week. That has been the weather. The weather. It is frigid. It was <laughs> 9 degrees walking to my 9 a.m. class today. I mean, I think I think we need springtime. I think we need spring to be here right now. So well, it's going to be in the 50s this weekend. And if it's any, uh, if it tells you anything, it's actually been a lot colder here before. And, and I, think, <laughs> I think Tuesday it's supposed to be over 60. So let me let me pose this question to you guys. You know, because I've got some friends that live up in Minnesota and up in uh, I've got family in Michigan. What would be the temperature that would cause you to not leave your house for a day? I don't know. Uh, I mean, I think once you reach a certain temperature, what does it matter if it gets any colder? And I don't, I don't know what that temperature is. So I guess here's the way I think of it. Uh, first of all, I have a garage. So even when it's like zero to five degrees, the garage is 30, 35 degrees. So I can get the car started. I can get to work. But I remember when I, you know, and I've told the story in the podcast before, when I was a student, I believe I was a sophomore, and there was a weekend where it got down to 15 below. And that was 15 below. It wasn't with wind chill. It was an actual 15 below. And I was supposed to... Uh, I don't remember what I was supposed to do. I was supposed to go somewhere. So I had to get in the car and drive. Now, there's no way my 65 Mustang was going to start. This was in 1985, 84 maybe. A buddy of mine had a 78 Pontiac Bonneville that was pretty reliable. And I and so he gave me the keys to it. And I went out, and it was parked on Roanoke Street back when you used to be able to park on Roanoke Street. So the students would jockey for those spots. That would be nice if we could park there. So I went over and started his car. It actually started at 15 below. It made a horrendous screeching noise that quit shortly thereafter. And I remember when I put it in gear and tried to drive, it just it just wouldn't go. The transmission wouldn't engage and it wouldn't go. So that's my so to answer your question, that's kind of my memory of there's no way I'm trying to go anywhere if it's fifteen below. For me, if it gets below zero, I'm staying home. Yeah, but I'll, I'll do, and we've done zero to five degrees multiple times the last few years, you know, get in the car and go. Um, but it, it, it would have to be below zero before I'd start thinking about it. I went to Green Bay a couple of years ago for a <laughs> Packers game, and it snowed five inches the night before the game. This was in December. and uh, Actually, it was colder the day before the game because I remember stopping to watch the sunrise over Lake Michigan on the drive up there. And uh, it was brutally cold that morning about 6 o'clock watching the sun come up on the tail end of that drive. And that's that might actually be the coldest I've ever been. Was, was standing outside for that. Uh, I will say this. I would much rather be in 15-degree weather 
with no wind in Blacksburg than maybe like 25 to 30 degrees with about 10 miles an hour of wind because I think the wind is what makes Blacksburg just brutal in the winter times at times. So that weekend I was talking about by Monday, it was five below and uh, it had warmed up to five below and, and I walked to class. I walked from Newman Hall across the drill field to class and there was some wind and, and I've told the story before coming from Newman you get to the edge of the drill field and you turn around and people were walking backwards because the the wind was blowing in their faces um yeah that's what makes it hard yes so I heard a stat one more thing I heard a stat that uh, I saw I watched the news the other night and at one point probably yesterday maybe early this morning 25 percent of the country was zero degrees or below and again, I'm not talking wind chill. I'm talking actual temperature. So that's pretty astounding. Lake Michigan is frozen next to Chicago. I saw a picture. There was, I don't know if it was Chicago. There was one state where it was literally a couple of degrees colder than Antarctica. Yes, yes. I did hear that on the news the other night. So listen, if you're cold in Blacksburg, it's colder elsewhere, but it definitely is a little bit frigid here. But we're heating up in here because we're getting ready to bring some fire on the podcast. We've got a lot to get to today. We're going to be talking about Virginia Tech basketball. We'll be recapping the Wednesday win over Miami. We're previewing what could be a pivotal weekend for Tech basketball, going to North Carolina State home on Monday against Louisville. We'll be discussing that. We'll be talking about Hendon Hooker and a couple of other transfers that have uh, come about since our last podcast in the possibility of Deshaun McLeese coming back to Virginia Tech. We'll get both Will and Chris's thoughts on that. We'll talk a little bit about Virginia Tech wrestling as we get ready for spring sports as well that begin next week. That's all coming up on January 31st edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast, which is proudly presented each and every week by the Fisher Law Firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. From their offices in Blacksburg and Roanoke, the Fisher Law Firm handles cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia. To date, the firm has defended more than 15,000 people charged with moving violations. For a free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll-free their number, 1-800-680-7031. Again, that's 1-800-680-7031, or you can email them at info at fisherlegal.com. And let me add that Jonathan Fisher, the principal at that firm, it's his firm. He's a 1998 Virginia Tech graduate. Um, I don't recall off the top of my head where he went to law school, but I can tell you it wasn't UVA. So he he always he wants us to get that in there that he is a Virginia Tech graduate. This isn't a, some lawyer coming in from somewhere else. He's a Hokie, and he's a big time Hokie too. Well, as you'll hear in, in the commercial that we play every week on the podcast, he makes sure to say that too. I'm a Hokie. I'm, and there's no doubt that I think Tech fans and uh, people affiliated with Tech, they you know they, they want Hokies want to support Hokies. That's right. So there's no doubt about it. Speaking of Hokies, let's jump right in. We began last week's podcast talking Tech football. We're going to jump back in and begin with Tech men's basketball. They're coming off of Wednesday night, a victory over Miami on the road, 82-70, the final score where Tech led 34-27 at halftime. Then they outscored the uh, the Hurricanes 48-43 uh, in the second half. But I think when we go back and look at this game, the storyline will be Justin Robinson, who left the game due to injury. There is no official report on the injury status of Justin Robinson, but I want to begin with Chris on that. Justin Robinson is the engine that makes this Virginia Tech team go. Mm -hmm. How significant was last night for Justin Robinson? You know, he was playing really well last night up until the play. He got hurt, and that was just a silly decision to force that shot, and he got hurt on it. Um, we don't know exactly what the injury is at this point. We know he was in a boot, and he was not smiling on the bench, and he was not smiling at the end of the game, and that's unlike him. 
Um, so I think the injury is – it has a chance to be – To be serious. Serious, yeah. yes. Um, because he's normally a – he smiles a lot, I'll put it that way, especially when Virginia Tech is winning. He's a happy he guy. guy. He is a happy guy, and he was not happy last night. So I'm, I'm very, very concerned about that. I and mean, that would take – that means Virginia Tech was already playing with a seven-man rotation. You can't really play with a six-man rotation. You probably have to start playing Cabongo some now, and then Alexander Walker would have to switch over and play the point. In fact, that's basically what happened last night when mm-hmm. after J. Rob got hurt. It was Alexander Walker was running the point. But, yeah, there, there's been a, there's been a body of evidence now of, of Wabisa Beatty playing the point against ACC competition, and it doesn't go well. Right. So you have to play Nikhil Alexander Walker there. Yeah, and and we'll we'll talk a minute about the rotation and. We have so many conversations about the players on this team. We we have talked about how maybe the most valuable player is KJ Carey Blackshear because of how significant his size and his interior yeah. presence. But Justin Robinson, again, he is to me, he seems like he's the motivating guy on this team. There's a couple other motivators, but Justin Robinson, there's a reason that he's called five. There's a reason that Buzz Williams has so much faith uh, and trust in him as a senior point guard. And at this stage, Again, even if you had Justin Robinson, what we're going to talk about, Tech going to North Carolina State and Louisville on Monday at home, those are two really crucial games to determine who's going to be in that upper echelon of the ACC. Yeah, so this is really it's an, awful uh, it's an unfortunate time, time. It's an awful time for him to get hurt. Um, I, I'm really depressed about it, to be honest with you. I mean, this is the best Virginia Tech team of my lifetime, and it's not even close. And they've got a chance to have a really good season and be really seated really well. And if he's out for a significant period of time, it's going to take that away completely. And we're going to look back on this season and say, what if? Yeah, and, and Chris and I were looking and, and talking about what if, what if Robinson's out? Well, first of all, it's not even – it's you know, tomorrow is going to be February 1st, and the ACC tournament starts on March 12th. So that's a good six weeks. You know, and, and it, most injuries, you know, unless they're uh, knee injuries or Achilles tears or things like that, if, if, it's a, if it's a broken bone or something like that, you know, you hope he can come back by the end of the season. Um, so you start asking yourself the question, they're 6-2 and two in the ACC, they're 17-3 and three overall. Can they and will they still make the NCAA tournament? Uh, Chris and I think so. With Alexander Walker running the point, there's, there's a couple of remaining games against Wake and Georgia Tech that you have a good chance of winning to get to eight wins in the ACC. Maybe steal another one somewhere else. Um, so you wind up nine and nine in the ACC and, what is that, I think 12 and one out of conference. Yeah, It's a good record, you know. Oh, you're in easily. Yeah. I mean, it's with Tech's NET ranking. I yes. mean, it's not like. It's not going to drop that much. It's not like last year when Tech was like 60th in the RPI on Selection Sunday. Uh, the, and the NET is so much based on efficiency ratings, and we've already played two-thirds of the season. Yeah. They're, they're, those efficiency ratings are not going to drop that much at this point. So Virginia Tech's going to remain high in the computer rankings. It would cost them seeding, but if they they get to nine nine wins in the ACC, uh, maybe even eight. if they're. I mean, you've seen teams get in with an eight and ten conference Correct. record before because they have really high computer numbers. I've, you've seen teams not named Virginia Tech. You know? Yeah, but, but Seth Greenberg's not our coach anymore. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know. So I, I, I don't think that's that going to happen. I believe Danny uh, – Danny Manning's team of Wake Forest two years ago got in with, I believe, a 9-9 nine and nine ACC record, and it yeah. could have been 8-10. and 10, And right. they lost in that, uh, I guess, the technical first round first of the round. NCAA, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the play-in yeah. game. But this kind of, again, and I want to reiterate, we do not, we are recording this Wednesday at 154. 
There's no official statement on Justin Robinson. We don't know what the extent is or even if there is an injury. We don't know. But we are speculating. And if he is out for an extended period of time and maybe he won't be back for a couple of weeks, this almost reminds me a little bit of Notre Dame's basketball team from a year ago. If you'll remember, Notre Dame was supposed to be a top 10 team, top 15. They had Bonzi Colson, who was one of the ACC's top players. He got hurt in the non-conference part of the season. So, granted, this is where it's a little bit different. As you said, we're two-thirds of the way in. Tech's in a really good spot, even if they go 9-9. Nine and nine, And I think they've got more, way more talent than Notre Dame did without Bonzi Colson. But it was essentially, can Notre Dame do enough to get him healthy by March to make a run in the NCAA tournament? You remember, they knocked out Tech, the big comeback, yeah. and they just missed the NCAA tournament. So, to me, I wonder if that will be a similar situation. But, again, we just don't know the extent or if he's even injured to begin well, with. Well, the good thing about about it is uh, Virginia Tech has not been upset in an ACC game so far. They are 6-2, and two and they've won the games they were supposed to win. Um, so it's not like we're operating from behind now. We are where we're supposed to be after eight games, so we don't have to make up any ground, so to speak. Um, the thing is, you know, Notre, Dame's the, Notre Dame has been good every year under Mike Bray. They're not so good this year because they're, uh, they're so young. Virginia Tech hasn't been ranked in the top ten since, for – 23 years. That's longer 1996, than you, yeah. That's longer than, than you've been alive. I'm 19. <laughs> you know? uh, and before that, the last time they were ranked was the 80s. You know what? Tech sideline slash Hokie Central didn't exist the last time Virginia Tech was. It was in the top. It started right at right, the end. Right at the end. So anyway, go ahead. You know, so what depresses me is this: if this is a significant injury, I mean, we're, we're, this is a historic season for Virginia Tech. And it might not happen again for another 23 years, quite honestly. And it's taken all that away. Well, hopefully we record this podcast next week and I everything so. is okay. Again, because I, I just want to reiterate, this is speculation. Yeah. And if you continue with the – that's what the media does. We, we talk about the what-ifs and buts. Will, I want to ask you this. You take a look at this tech lineup. Chris briefly touched on it. You know, If Justin Robinson is out for any period of time, what do you envision the starting five looks like and the options that Tech has already with a limited bench? So Alexander Walker at the point and Beattie at the off guard, which and, – and Chris can analyze this stuff better than I can. That That's not a bad situation. I think Beattie plays well as, as the non-primary guy. If you get him an open look – He's shooting something like 45% from three-point range. That's not a lot. That's only about 30 attempts, if I remember correctly. But he's a guy that that plays great on-ball defense. He can make the open three-pointer. He Um, does. There will be an adjustment period for Nikhil Alexander-Walker trying to learn to run the point. Um, So then who have you got at the three, Chris? Outlaw? Uh, Well, I'm at Hill. Hill. And Outlaw. I mean, it probably varies. It would vary. I mean – so you'd have Hill uh, and off- off- Offensively, and you'd have Outlaw at the four, I guess, but there's really no, no difference. Sure. But, uh, you know, defensively – well, defensively would be the, s- the same thing. Outlaw would be guarding the four and Med would be guarding the yeah. three. And I want to go back to the box score of, of Wednesday night's game against Miami. So Virginia Tech only had seven players play. Uh, Alexander Walker played 39 minutes. Hill played the entire game. Mm-hmm. Beattie, and I want to reiterate going off of what Chris's point – I feel like Wabisa Beattie is one of the more underrated and underappreciated players on this team. He plays great, de- almost similar to Horn. They're not going to put up big numbers, but they play great defense, and when they're out there, they make the impact. And you're right. He does make the corner, the open three when it's presented. He'll knock it down. Beattie, 37 minutes. He was 3 mm. of 3 from the field. 
How many, turn, how many turnovers did Beatty have in that 37 minutes? Beatty had he where is it? where do you go? Beatty had four turnovers. Yeah, we yeah. had we had too many turnovers as a team. And the, and the team as a whole tends to turn the ball over more when when he's at the point. Um, one thing I want to say about Beatty is I love him as a player and I love his attitude and his defense and his shooting. Um, I don't think he's been the same since that mess against North Carolina where uh, J. Rob got in foul trouble and Beatty had to play a lot at the point. Um, he did. He looks. Uh, I watched him when he made mistakes on Monday night, and he he's getting down on himself. He looks frustrated with the mistakes he's making, and 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 that was earlier in the game when he, when he was playing the point some. I think once J. Rob went out, it was Alexander Walker at the point. So, um, you know, we, we'll just have to see how that situation well, goes. Well, honestly, it's been that way for longer than that with, with Beatty. I was talking to a scout uh, after the first two ACC games, and he was like. Yeah, you know, Beatty's not as assertive as he was last year. He really has to get more assertive with the ball in his hands. Like, he lacks confidence and everything like that. I think the North Carolina game showed the fan base that. Yeah. Um, but the people who are really, really, really smart about basketball, the scouts and the coaches and things like that, they already saw it. So I don't think we're seeing anything new. I just think the Carolina game made us start looking a lot harder. And I had noticed earlier in the season that when, when J-Rob went out and Beatty ran the point that things bogged down. Yeah, but that would be for one or two or three minutes at a time. Yeah. When you had to watch it for ten minutes at a time, it really became apparent. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a couple of other notes, and I want to emphasize something about this player because I, I've said this before, and even with Justin Robinson healthy, I firmly believe if Tech, their ceiling, just out of curiosity, what do you think Tech's ceiling with healthy with this team is on this team? Oh, I would probably say something like. Uh, 13 and 5 in the ACC. How about this? NCAA tournament finish. This highest ceiling they could get 16. to. Oh, Maybe a healthy. Oh, I'm going I, somewhere I, with it. They, they can make it further than that. I mean, they're better than uh, Loyola, who made the Final Four last night. That team just shot themselves into the Final Four, basically. And Tech is capable of doing that. I mean, it just depends on getting hot at the right time or uh, matchups, or matchups and, and everything like that. So here's where I'm going with this. Even with the healthy, the healthiest this team is right now, the one person I think who's going to be the X factor down the stretch and I think is going to have a bigger emphasis if Justin Robinson is hurt is Ty Outlaw. You go back two years ago, Ty Outlaw helped shoot Virginia Tech right. to that seat against Wisconsin. I mean, he was their go-to threat in the second half of the ACC play, in my opinion, right. before well, he got hurt. Well, it was uh, Chris Clark who got hurt, and then Outlaw – jumped right into the starting lineup. And made eight three-pointers against Miami. Was that the very first game he played in that One year? of them. I, I uh, it was early. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, he really came in. and Now, granted, all right, you weren't as athletic or, or as good defensively and, and not as good a passing team, honestly, without Chris Clark in there. But Outlaw's more likely to get you 20 points than Chris Clark. I mean, that, <laughs> du- that dude can light yeah. it up. So, But to me, the difference here is – while they were different players, Outlaw could be just as productive in another way. I don't see how anybody replacing Justin Robinson can be as productive, even if it's in a different way. Because Isaiah Wilkins going to step in and get those minutes, and maybe even Kabongo. And we haven't Tech hasn't been playing Kabongo at all, even though they already had a short bench. He's only getting in the game in absolute blowouts. So he is not ready in Buzz's eyes, and now he's probably going to have to play I don't know, five, ten minutes, something like that. Or maybe they just go to a six-man rotation. I, I don't know. Not ideal, but it is what it is. Well, it's one of the things we're not talking about is we don't know the extent of what's going on with P.J. Horn, do we? We don't know how long. We don't Horn. know that. I mean, 
Horn could come back next game. Yeah. And that's the thing. With no, no official release on Horn, there's no even – who knows of, an, of a release will be put out about Justin Robinson necessarily. Again, if there's an injury. Maybe he suits up Saturday and we're all speculating and we could be 100% wrong. Yeah. But just, again, the speculation. So the reason I bring that up is the thought of a six-man rotation. Um, you know, if you have Horn available, Horn can go to the five and spell Blackshear, you know, and, and it becomes a little easier to handle – a short bench if you have a guy that can play the five for uh, centers the five right point guards the one yeah, yeah. Justin Robinson throws me off because he's five and he plays point guard <laughs> yeah all right so I, and real quick again I want to run through the minutes official I started to and this again last night Alexander Walker 39 Hill the whole game Beatty 37 Outlaw 32 Blackshear 17 and that was only because he got in some some foul trouble last night he fouled out yes I believe yep yep and so you know, he only had one point and nine boards, Kerry Blackshear, but you, you talk about heating up. 11 points for Outlaw. He was 3 of 4 from deep. Very efficient there. I, and I think to kind of wrap this up, I'd want to touch on two players. We just started to talk about it. About Cabongo and about Isaiah Wilkins. Wilkins played 16 minutes last night. Only scored two points, two boards. But these are um, recruits, high recruits that, as you said, might may or may not. Nah, not high recruits. We were talking about before we went <laughs> no. on the air, though. If 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 this team has Landers Nolly yeah. and has Chris Clark, and I hate yeah. to keep playing this theoretical game, but it's part of what we got to do. Uh, Chris Clark, I mean, is a guy who can run the point himself. Um, so yeah, it, it, you don't want to lose J. Rob, but you know you put Chris Clark in there anyway, and uh, and you know Nikhil's probably still running the point at that stage, but still, I feel I would feel just so much better. But here's my, if, if J-Rob gets hurt and you have those two plays, you're talking about Wilkins maybe sliding into the 8-9 spot in the right. rotation instead with of the instead spot. of the 6-7. So that's where this depth, to me, really makes a big difference, especially being an ACC play right now. How about those announcers last night? <laughs> kept saying, kept talking about Miami. Miami's got well, a they, seven they, they've only bench. got seven guys, and I'm like, somebody else here in this game also only has seven guys, fellas. And somebody actually uh, – and, and then later some, on he said, for those of you that are sitting out there saying, well, Virginia Tech well, you, only plays seven guys. You, you know, the reason he was saying that is because somebody on you Twitter sent him my tweet. Ah, okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. So he was responding to my original tweet, apparently. He should have just let it go. Yeah. <laughs> Continuing talking here about Tech basketball on the Tech Sideline podcast, proudly presented by the Fisher Law Firm. Evan Hughes, Will Stewart, Chris Coleman with you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching on Facebook Live. However you're watching or listening, we appreciate you making us a part of your week. Hey, can I get one more comment? And we brought up the topic of Isaiah Wilkins, and I really like him as a player. I'm not saying he's ever going to be a major contributor. He may or may not be, but he uh, he's good with the ball. I mean, as a freshman, I don't see him making a lot of mistakes. He's fluid. He's got some uh, steals the last couple of games, showing good anticipation. He's 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 a he's a smart player, you know. And, and and I can think of a guy back when I used to play pickup ball way back when I lived in Charlottesville. I remember a guy I played with like that who, who was actually built very similar, who just really good hands, really smooth with the ball, never forces anything, you know. And so I, I, think, I think looking down the road, Wilkins has a lot of potential to be a really, really solid player, good team player, and we'll, we'll see how productive he winds up being from a points and assists and rebound standpoint. But I think he's a good ball player. And last thing, and again, I'm just you know playing the theoretical game. You know, there is one player redshirting on this team besides Landers now, and that's Brendan Palmer, who yeah. is a guard. Is there any well, scenario? He's not redshirting. He's a, is there any scenario you see Radford him getting redshirting? Yes, I no, apologize. He's a walk-on. Walk-ons don't play in college basketball yeah. unless the team is awful. 
So it's not it's not like football in the 1990s at Virginia Tech. Walk-ons <laughs> do not play in basketball. Well, here's here's the good news. So a lot of talent on this team, regardless of what the extent of J. Rob's. This team is, as you said, they've won the games they're supposed to win. They're still the 12th ranked team in the country. They're still one of the most efficient three-point shooting teams in the nation, with or without Justin Robinson. And I I think the the lasting impression I want to leave on this conversation before we switch subjects. Regardless, you know, you've got the all-time assist leader out potentially with injury. I still don't think it, you know, time to panic or anything. This team is six and two. They're seventeen and three. I think everything everything's going to be fine. I'm not panicking. I'm just depressed about it because I'm just it's Virginia Tech basketball, so I'm going to assume the worst with Robinson. It lowers their ceiling, is what it does. Yeah, you know, they're still a good ball team. They'll still have a decent season. Probably go to the NCAA's. That would be a surprise if they didn't, but it lowers their ceiling. So let's go ahead and talk about this uh, upcoming opponent on Saturday. Uh, Virginia Tech will take on, uh, in both polls, they're either 23 or 24, North Carolina State. They'll go see their former head coach, uh, J.J., James Johnson, on the bench of North Carolina State as an assistant. He went to school with Kevin Keats, who I think has done a really nice job with their program um, coming in. And you know, I was listening to somebody on, on talk radio the other day talking about how deep the ACC is and the one thing he thought NC State impressed him most about is that that team does not have any NBA prospects on it right now they have talented players but everybody else ahead of them whether it's Tech or Duke or UVA or if I'm forgetting somebody help me out all have NBA talent so it's impressive what they've been able to do without that marquee prospect yeah they've certainly had a good year and I think if you look at their resume Probably the most impressive thing on their resume is how tough they played UVA the other night, even though they lost. Um, and I was worried about this game even when I thought we were going to have Justin Robinson because I think basketball, you study the most recent games and then expect the opposite because runs only happen so long in basketball, good or bad, and things generally come full circle. You know, if NC State had beaten Virginia on Tuesday night, I would be picking – Virginia Tech to beat NC State because I don't think they can beat two top teams in the same week, but they ended up losing that game. So by the law of averages, I don't think they're going to lose both of them like that at home in one week. Uh, honestly, sometimes that's just what basketball is. You know, that's why they play thirty plus games, and at the end of the season, you are who your record says you are. Yeah, so I, I made the mistake of when we were trying to pick Virginia Tech and Syracuse. I made the mistake of assuming that Syracuse would continue to to play well and win they, they had won six out of seven and no nah, they didn't play well at all yeah. you know and, and that was they were traveling on two days that whole deal I should have seen all that so you know that that's that's a viewpoint with some merit and uh you know we'll see who suits up for tech and, and how it goes taking a look at NT State's schedule and and, and what they're kind of coming into things with they currently held a record of 16 and 5 they are 4 and 4 in conference play they're 12 and 2 at home Granted, a lot of that is coming from the non-conference slate, but uh, taking a look at their losses, all of them except their only bad loss, I would say, is to Wake. Um, oh, yeah, that's a bad loss. They lost. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a definition of a bad loss. If you look it up in the dictionary, Miami they... beat Wake Forest. <laughs> right. Miami's awful. Miami's bad. <laughs> so they lost at Wisconsin, who's ranked 22nd at the time, 79-75. That was the ACC Big Ten Challenge back uh, in November. They lost to North Carolina, 90 to 82. They lost at Wake 71-67, and they lost to Louisville, uh, who was ranked 23rd at the time, on the road, 84-77. And then the UVA loss, 
66-65 in overtime. They're the perfect example of how different the new NET is relative to the RPI. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think, gosh, I forget the exact numbers, but there are sites that still do the RPI just for the sake of it. And they would be 105th in the country in the RPI because their non-conference schedule was just god-awful. They're like 29th in the NET yeah. because it's based on efficiency ratings yeah. and things like that. In part on efficiency. In part on efficiency ratings. So this is an NC State team that if the RPI was still in existence, even despite their record, we'd be sitting there saying, man, teams, in the, unless you're in the top 65 of the RPI, you have no chance to get a an at-large bid. And so despite their record, they would be off the bubble right now. Um, and you see that to a lesser extent with Virginia Tech. I believe this was before last night's game, but Virginia Tech was 10th in the NET, only 27th in the RPI because the RPI – just focused a lot more on strength of schedule and, and things like that. Tech has such a bad home schedule with so right. many teams that are 200 and 300 plus. Right. One thing I want to bring up, you bring up the UVA game, and I went in and do some stats on you know how does NC State nearly beat UVA? What was the differences between uh, the Tech game where they lost by 20 plus? So let me guess, UVA turned it over at least 16 times. Their season average is eight, and they coughed it up at least 16 times. So what I looked at was their uh, – let's see. So they turned the ball over – how many did you say? At least 16. I remember when they had 16. They, they turned it over exactly 16 exactly. times. 16. But here's the – okay, so that's a factor and also this. They shot last night – take a guess of what they shot at the field goal percentage. UVA? Yes, um, as a, at the field. Overall? Mm-hmm. Mm, 40. 39. They shot 45 – excuse me, 46.2%. Mm. Guess what they did against Virginia Tech? Uh, Good grief. Uh, 64. <laughs> I just remember like I quit paying attention after it was like 85% for much of the game. So in the first half, they shot 68%. Yeah. The second half, it was 50%. So it averaged out to 58.5%. Yeah, yeah. But that's where the, what I want to get at is I feel like with Virginia, um, it's it, it depends on what Virginia team you're going to get on offense. And if they're hot, almost similar to Virginia Tech in a sense of the three-point, if they shoot the ball well, their defense is going to hold gonna them gonna up there. It. But they didn't shoot the ball well against North Carolina State. I, I don't know how it is right now after that game, but I think heading into that game, their offensive efficiency was actually ranked higher than their defensive efficiency. Virginia. It was like Yeah, Virginia. Wow. Yeah, so it was like number two and number three or something like that. So they're a really good offensive team. They don't have to play as many possessions as other teams, so sometimes you can't tell it by the final score, but they're a really good offensive team. Uh, and I still think, in my opinion, that they're the best team in the country. I know they lost at Duke, but that was a road game against a team that and might UVA be the second or third poorly. best team. UVA right. shot UVA, poorly. UVA had a bad shooting day. I mean, they're not, they're, it's gonna be, that might be the only game all year where they only make two three-pointers. So let's do this. Before we talk about Louisville, I want to wrap up North Carolina State because Louisville's on Monday. Let's get a prediction and what you're thinking is going to be a key for Virginia Tech, even though we might have already talked about it. Mm. Uh, I, I just um, I, I wish I could see the full history of the matchup because what my brain always goes back to is how Seth Greenberg's best teams just could not handle NC State. Even like mediocre yeah. 16 win NC State team. I just don't like Tech's prospects on the road, particularly if J. Rob is out. If he's out, I don't I forget don't, it. Yeah, yeah, forget it. In my opinion, no, no. The key though, and this isn't just the NC State game. If he's out for an extended period of time, two things have to happen. You know, you really have to dial it in defensively, which they've yes. been doing anyway, yeah. uh, to their credit. Uh, they're a much better defensive team this year, but you've really got to dial it in now. And you know, this team. They've had some issues with turnovers, and you got to stop turning the ball over 
now. They forced a lot of turnovers, but they 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 had 15 turnovers on their own last night against Miami and still scored 82 points. Well, you don't have that margin for error now. You you got to you got to cut those turnovers back quite a bit, and and because if you just give the other team extra points or or you take chances away from yourself scoring, uh, you don't have that margin for error without Justin Robinson. So so keep playing really hard on the defensive end. Play a little smarter on the offensive end with regards to turnovers. I'm most looking forward to seeing in this, how does Tech play on the road? I know your key piece, your quarterback of your team might not be available and you might not get an accurate judgment. Well, they haven't played well on the road yet. Yeah, that's what I would – so I'm curious to see, you know, from the – North Carolina game to this one, mm-hmm. you know, if, is there any? Are they cutting down turnovers? Are they more efficient? Yeah. And again, I think it's going to be tough to judge if you don't have your your QB. I think it's tough there. to judge them in the UNC game because they didn't have Justin Robinson or Alexander <laughs> Walker. So yeah. In the Miami game, you know, I was telling Chris this morning. One of the things I've I've gotten a little bit more savvy about watching Virginia Tech basketball is that that Miami game last night it was sloppy for both teams in the first half, and then Tech came out and went up forty to twenty seven. And at that point, everybody just switched off. They knew Virginia Tech was going to win, and Virginia Tech knew they were going to win. And it was just a bunch of college guys playing pickup ball after that. You, I don't think you can take a lot away from that game. So, yeah, Tech didn't really play all that well, and but I don't, I don't really put that in the same category as not playing well at Georgia Tech and not playing well at UNC or UVA. And I did forget to mention, by the way, I, to quickly go back, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, I talked about how many minutes he played with 39, 25 points, five assists. He was 11 of 17 from the field, had a great game, a bounce-back game, scoring-wise from scoring the Syracuse. Wise. You didn't mention his most impressive stat, though. Six, Six steals. steals. It's the most by any Virginia Tech player in an ACC game. Yep. That's incredible. Yeah. So, again, I wanted to make sure we gave him the credit because we were talking so much about the lineup and everything. It was a great game for Nikhil Alexander-Walker, even though he gets so much credit from that Syracuse game and the way that he passed the ball and, and really set it up oh for his teammates. It was it was, it was, and, and it was unbelievable. A, he, he had a couple of passes last night. I just about fell off the couch. I mean, I, I can't even describe him. It, it, he, was, he was in the post facing the other direction. And I think J-Rob went past him, and he dropped it behind him without looking. Bounce pass. Wow. You know, I've watched college basketball my whole life, but I don't sit there and watch specific teams outside of Virginia Tech. So I might see Duke play two or three times a year, Kentucky play two or three times a year, something like that. But I watch Virginia Tech every game, every year. And the reason those passes are standing out to you is because you've never really watched an NBA player play against college kids before, and that's what you're seeing with Alexander Walker. So – Moving on to Louisville because this this is going to be an important one at home. Louisville's four and two uh, on the uh, on the road this year, and arguably, if I had a vote in this and I had a vote on ACC Coach of the Year right now, it's going to Chris Mack and yeah. the job that he's done inheriting such a a program that was kind of in a mess. Chris Mack's done a good job, but you're not going to ever get me to say anything good about nice this. about Louisville. So. They're sixteen and five. They're seven and one in ACC play currently. On a six-game win streak, here are some of the notable games you need to know about Louisville. They lost 92-81 to uh, to Tennessee back in November. They lost to Marquette by three. By the way, they've got that guy who scores like James Harden numbers in college. So I thought that it's it's interesting. Five years after Buzz Williams left Marquette, Marquette and Virginia Tech are, are operating in the same realm, ranked number 10, number 12, that sort of thing. They have also played Michigan State, who they beat by four. That's a good win. That's back in November. 
couple other notables. Uh, they beat Seton Hall, lost to Indiana by one on the road, lost to Kentucky by 13. And then in ACC play, the only loss they have is to Jeff Capel's Pitt Panthers. It's the only <laughs> loss they have, 89-86, beating Miami. They went to North Carolina Hammer. and beat them by 21. That's, one of the, I believe, one of the worst uh, ro- home losses under Roy Williams' tenure at North Carolina. It, it may be the worst. Uh, they And then they've beaten Boston College by 10. They beat Georgia Tech on the road 79-51. They beat the Pack 84-77. Then they got revenge on pick 66-51. And then at Wake, 82-54. So those last four games, I'm going to repeat that, they have won by at least 20 points except for NC State, and they beat them by 7. So they're on a six-game win streak. They're hot. And it's going to be, I think, a great matchup between a team – Rolling, and then a team that's playing extremely well at home, like Virginia Tech is currently undefeated. Yeah, and Louisville always scares me because of their length and their skill. You know, you see teams like Syracuse with a lot of length, but I don't think they're skilled as a team like Louisville. Same for Florida State, right? Same. I yeah, I agree. And so I was worried about this game with or without Justin Robinson. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't. I just don't feel good about the Virginia Tech Louisville matchup. Yeah, even I, in Castle. Yeah, even in Castle. Um, but you never know. I mean, and again, you can sit here and talk. I'll feel a lot better about it if I if I knew Justin Robinson was playing. And yeah. we just don't know right now. There's just you can't. It's it's a tough game to break down. Uh, I don't know anything about their personnel as far as how experienced they are and everything like that. But the fact of the matter is, Tech has a bunch of seniors, and if Robinson's healthy, they can beat anybody in Castle Coliseum without question. Yep. And I'm not going to ask for a prediction because I think obviously that's going to pay a large part in how the game goes on Saturday, but that'll be a big one. Again, definitely if you have tickets, come out. I'm pretty sure it's going to be a sellout, but uh, try and come out Louisville and Virginia Tech on uh, on Monday night. So that's going to be a really big game. We've been talking hokey hoops for quite some time. I know we've got a couple of uh, viewers commenting saying I'm here for football talk. And yes. Richie Gallimore asks, wait, is there bad news on Justin Robinson? Uh, no, there's not, but we're speculating and... Uh, he just didn't look happy on the bench last night. I would feel was not better smiling. if he turned his ankle. He, right, he, yeah, he yeah. Landed. You'd be out for a couple games and you're fine. But he didn't turn his ankle. Uh, it was something else. So that and, leads you to worry. Yeah, and yeah, the rumor that's going around is is broken toe, and I don't have any way of knowing whether that's true or not. Uh, but it's Virginia Tech basketball, so I'm going to assume the worst. I in worry an, in about an little situation. bones in the foot. When yeah, it comes uh, to Virginia you always Tech worry about that. Just emphasize again, just speculating, no official word out there. All we're doing is talking about scenarios if – Again, the best-case scenario, he'll play Saturday. We're all set, and it'll be uh, it's going to be a great matchup regardless against North Carolina State. Let's do this. Let's step aside for a break. When we come back, we'll talk Virginia Tech football. Hendon Hooker transferring out. We'll get uh, our thoughts on a potential return for Deshaun McLeese. And I've got a special segment planned for Will and Chris. Stick around. This is the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Your official law firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go. Hokies. Again, our thanks to Jonathan Fisher and his incredible team at the Fisher Law Firm for being the official partners of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Call their number anytime, day or evening, toll free at 1-800-680-7031. Welcome back aboard the Tech Sideline Podcast. Evan Hughes, Will Stewart, Chris Coleman. 
just talked hokey hoops. Let's transition to Virginia Tech football, where there's not as much news as there was a week ago when we recorded this podcast. However, I'll start with the latest news, and that is that backup quarterback Hendon Hooker uh, announced his intentions to transfer and enter the transfer portal a day ago on Tuesday. I want to read his statement because I thought it was a really nice, heartfelt statement that he put out with a nice picture of himself saying, quote, First, I'd like to thank God. I'd also like to thank my family for supporting me through everything I do. Thanks to Coach Fuente, Coach Cornelson, and the entire and the Virginia Tech staff for seeing my potential and granting me this opportunity. Also, a special thanks to all of the trainers that pushed me day in and day out. The bond I've made with my teammates is unbreakable, and I'm grateful for the impact this university had on me. After praying and talking it over with my family, I've decided to enter my name into the transfer portal. Thank you, Hokie Nation, for all the support and love you've shown me throughout the years. Hennon Hooker. Very nice statement. I think this is something that I, I, I want to emphasize. This is probably – it's not one of the transfers from a week ago. This is something we probably could have expected given the quarterback situation. That was a very classy statement. I think he'll have a bright future wherever he ends up going. Yeah, David French has a similar question. Uh, was him entering the portal a surprise or was it the worst-kept secret? Uh, I, I don't certainly don't think uh, think it was a surprise. Um, I was a little surprised maybe that it took him this long. Yeah, I think yeah. the writing well, I would was agree on the wall a little bit. I think I think Hendon Hooker has talent, and if he was if he was in a place where you know he was going to develop over time and he had a path to the starting spot, then I think he could be a good quarterback. But I I think it's I think Virginia Tech prefers Quincy Patterson at this point, and I think the fan base knows that. So you know all these kids spend so much time on social media. I mean, every time Hendon Hooker's on Twitter, he sees the fans talking about Quincy Patterson. And, and that's just the way it is. Uh, so uh, I think he really likes Virginia Tech. Uh, yeah, I think he likes the coaching staffs. And maybe that's what took him so long um, because it was a difficult decision for him. And maybe there were discussions about changing positions. Who knows? You know? yeah. uh, although we haven't heard – we've never heard anything about that with regards to Hendon. Well, of course, I think one of the highlights of his, uh, his stint here at Virginia Tech was his uh, nearly 70-yard touchdown run uh, against William & Mary. I was walking out of the stadium, and I just hear all this roar, and it was a, it was a great run for him. He and was very decisive and very well executed. He was fast. No <laughs> question about that. So let's talk about what this leaves Virginia Tech with now, because I believe you know we had had this discussion here that you know regardless of how obvious or not obvious it is to the staff, on who the starting quarterback is, you don't announce it till late because you don't want anybody leaving. I wouldn't N- announce it till August. Right. Now you're in a situation where you have two quarterbacks left. You've mm-hmm. got Ryan Willis, you've got Quincy Patterson, uh, Dewan Ellis has switched positions. Chase Moomaw is no longer with the team. That's Fans right. will remember him for throwing the fake punt pass. He's in multimedia journalism, right? He is. Yeah. I had a conversation with him last night. He went to Lee Davis High School, which is my rival high school. Uh, he's a really good guy. Any, uh, side note. But... Tech is in a situation where you got two quarterbacks, and that's just simply not enough to go into camps. What does Virginia Tech do about – do they go to the transfer portal and yeah. try and bring somebody in? I think, I think that's possible. Um, I, I kind of think you have to at this point. They, they offered a quarterback. My gosh, I just entered him into the database yesterday. Can't remember his so name. I've already forgotten his name. But he's a freshman. Um, he's currently committed to JMU, but he's got he's got FB, uh, FBS offers. And he's a six three one eighty five guy. It's not like yeah, he's five ten or right. And he's from Georgia, and he's won two state championships and had twenty one touchdowns and zero interceptions this past year. But he'll only be a true freshman, right? Uh, now you can get by with a true freshman as your third string quarterback because you can still redshirt your third string quarterback. Um, it's pretty easy to do that as long as nobody gets hurt. Uh, and it's been rare throughout the years that Virginia Tech has had to get down to their 
third string quarterback. Uh, but you know, the smart play would to be try to bring in a transfer. Um, Knox Kadem. Knox Kadem. He's got a it. cool name. He's got a that cool is name a cool name. Sure. <laughs> yeah, and I think he's a, I think he's a guy who can develop. Um, now he's from Rome High School in Rome, Georgia. That's correct. Is there anybody else on the Tech roster right now? That yes, uh, Griffin, I believe, is from Rome. Uh, Jalen Griffin. J- uh, yeah. yeah, I believe he's from uh, from that same high school. Um, I think he's a guy who can develop uh, if he red shirts and things like that. So, so Knox is enrolled at Virginia Tech, or will nah, he be here in nah. the summer? Well, he has not committed yet. He's, oh, he's, 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 he's a high school I'm sorry, he's, he's offered. So he's, he's committed to James Madison, and then he got a Virginia Tech offer. If he visits this weekend, uh, I would expect him to flip to Virginia Now, our Tech. database entry says he's a class of 2020. Well, is that I, correct? Well, or no, is that's not correct. That's he's 2019. I screwed it up then. I'm yeah, glad it, you it defaults to 2020. Yeah. So. Um, they do have a quarterback offered and committed in Tyler uh, Warren from uh, Richmond. He's a, a 2020. Yeah, but he's 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 a talented guy, but some people view him as kind of a H back type. Uh, I think he's can be developed as a quarterback, but then again, I haven't watched any film on him from this year yet. I've watched his so- sophomore film. Um, Oh, I believe he was all-state punter this year. Don't quote me on that, but I uh, he, he had a great year punting. Side note from that, I do want to talk about. I mean, the short term, right? I'm talking, you know, for, yeah, for we're spring about, ball. We're talking about this year, and, and so it, I saw a couple of people on the message boards wondering, you know, do they switch Dewan Ellis back to quarterback? I do wouldn't. you do you do you do you see if Chase Mumal would come back, nah. um, or do you roll with? Two, I mean, can you roll? <laughs> Jack can you, click. <laughs> uh, can you roll with two quarterbacks? Is it possible to do that in the meantime? I mean, uh, Ellis is five ten. Uh, you know, it's it's not nah, don't you want him a slot receiver. Um if you have to, if if it gets to the point where your third string quarterback is playing and your third string quarterback is a walk on, then what you might as well not even play the rest of the season, quite frankly. Uh so I, I don't Nick Sorensen disagrees. Uh, yeah, Nick Sorensen disagrees, <laughs> but, but yeah. How's, <laughs> that, was, that was also the nineteen nineties and we could also reasonably stop teams on defense back then. We can't do that so you can much. You could put anybody right a quarterback back then. There you're, were you're some exactly. Uh I personally think it's difficult. Uh, you go out and get a transfer and you gotta say, Okay, you're gonna be competing against this guy who was an elite eleven quarterback and this guy who started for us most of last season, I think most transfer quarterbacks are going to go somewhere with a with no, a little, hard with pass, a, hard pass. Yeah, with a little bit easier path to playing time. So I don't think it's nece- I don't think it, Virginia Tech will necessarily end up with some kind of top notch quarterback uh, from in the transfer window. But I, I think they'll end up with somebody. Right, and, uh, the, and the bottom line is more than likely this person they're bringing in is not going to really yeah. be competing for the. This is a two man race now at this point. I, if we, if David French asks again, if we hit the portal for a quarterback, will we look for someone comfortable being the third guy? Nobody's comfortable being the third <laughs> guy these that's days. Why that's that's, that, that's why they're transferred in the first place. They weren't playing. Um, I, I, so I think it's going to be tougher than than people think. I, I think Ellis is your emergency guy. Is okay. You yeah. go into the season with two quarterbacks. Yeah. If one of them gets hurt, then you start practicing Ellis. Yeah. But the one, you know, it is interesting though. Just just you look at. I, I wonder what the average stat is for every Division One college football team. How many quarterbacks take a snap? You know, and, and, and look at Tech. They uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It was four this year, correct? That took uh, a snap. Hooker had a couple. Mm-hmm. Quincy got in, yeah. and then obviously Willis and Josh Jackson. Yeah, so four, right, four quarterbacks. Yeah. So I do think, as you said, it's tough to. You're not going to ask about a guy to be a third string quarterback. They're going to come in and compete, and then the depth chart shakes out the way that it shakes out. But I do think that having a third string quarterback is important. It is, and it I, was definitely a discussion on the message boards today. Uh, because I saw people talking about Corey Holt 
and talking about a couple of others. I, I want to say from the '98 season, there oh, was yeah. a, um, uh, Al Clark. Was that his name? He was a starting quarterback, and he got hurt. And then his backup was Dave Meyer, and then he got hurt. And, he got hurt. and then they had to move Nick Sorensen from free safety to start at quarterback. Wow, I didn't. And he that did was... not get hurt. <laughs> so de- definitely something to keep an eye on. And that was a question that was not answered last week about all the transfers. You know, will Virginia Tech say, okay, well, we're losing guys. Are we going to go into the transfer portal yeah. and get guys? So definitely something to keep an eye on. And I think maybe the, the, the bigger news about this week is that Deshaun McLeese, who entered his name into the transfer portal, there are now reports that he is coming back to Virginia Tech. Chris, I know you might have more thoughts on that. What have you heard? Uh, I mean, just the rumor out there that he has changed his mind or may change his mind. If, if you go and look at his Twitter profile, his original tweet of him announcing that he was entering the transfer profile has been deleted. So it definitely sounds like there's some second uh, – uh, some. Uh, there are conversations There are conversations going on, going on or the conversations have been had. Um, but I would not be surprised if he ended up coming back next year, which would be a welcome – obviously a welcome surprise I, I guess so to speak it, it's tricky though because here's a guy who tweeted it that he was going to go into the transfer portal so how is that perceived when he comes back you know and and those of us on the outside of the program we don't know you yeah. know we don't we don't know how his teammates perceive him how the coaching staff perceives him and a lot of guys on the boards have been saying you know I trust Fuente to make the right decision and I think in this case you have to because he's the guy who knows all the details and knows all the conversations if you do take him back, where is he on the depth chart when he comes back? If it's a Billy Height depth chart, he's he's the fifth <laughs> string running over. back when there are only four running backs. You know, but I, I don't know how this staff would. Be I there. think his team. I think he's good with his teammates. I haven't heard anything bad about him. Yeah. Um, and if the coaching staff lets him back, then I guess he's okay with the coaching staff too. Well, it certainly so. helps the running back room having an experienced guy because we yeah. talked about it last week. You know, there's definitely uh, there's going to need be a need for someone to step up and, and be that guy. And I and I just think it's just something people are going to have to get used to these days. Players are going to do this. So, yeah, so in the course of, of reading articles here and there, there was a, uh, I believe it was a defensive end who uh, was a pretty highly rated recruit, and he's he entered his name in the transfer portal. The urgest, and Chris and I have talked about that, the urgest to say he's going to transfer, uh, maybe or maybe not. So the terminology now needs to be he's put his name in the transfer portal. And the the article said that he's going to continue to, quote, work with the team, unquote, throughout the spring as he as he makes his decision. Um, That's interesting. Does that mean he's going to be going through spring practice with the team? And somebody said, well, you know, it's Harbaugh. Harbaugh's coaching the NFL. He's used to free agency. Interesting point, you know, so. It's, it, it is something that people are – coaching staffs and fans and players are going to learn how to handle over time. Talking Virginia Tech football on the TSL podcast, proudly presented by the Fisher Law Firm. I know we've got some questions uh, here on Facebook, Chris. Yeah, we've Any got a bunch. You want to jump in? <laughs> uh, uh, all right, if we lose to – if we lose Eugene Asante, who do we lose him to? And also related to Asante, if we get him and if he's capable of playing early, what would the two deep look like between Mike and Backer? That's a whole lot. If we lost him to somebody, I think it would be UNC, but I don't know that for a fact. I don't think Tech will lose him. Um, that's just my opinion. Uh, if he's capable of playing early, then uh, I, I guess he would be number two at backer, but uh, that kind of depends on where Amari Barno is. Is he going to be a backer or is he a defensive end? Um, my personal opinion, uh, you definitely redshirt that guy. I, Who, I, I, Barno or Asante? Asante, uh, both if I could. <laughs> yeah. but, but uh, Asante for sure. I, I don't. I don't want a true freshman backer behind a 
true sophomore backer in Dax. I, I just I don't see the point in that. So I mean I I pencil that guy in hard for for a red shirt right now because I think that's the best roster management. Even if he's capable of playing special teams, okay. And I'm not saying special teams don't matter, but there should be enough players on that team that could uh, block on kickoff return. And make tackles. Uh, right, right. So Eugene Asante could redshirt if Virginia Tech could get him. Um, so let, let me let me interject this. Um, I think that I, I would advise Virginia Tech fans to get used to perhaps being surprised by UNC on the recruiting trail. There's a guy that I can't think of his name, um, but he's a recruit, I think, in the state of Virginia that, that probably a 2020 or a 2021 guy that Tech was in good position with. No, he's from Charlotte. Uh, it was the uh, guy who was teammates with Elijah Bowick. Right. Um, so Tech was in good position with him, whoever. We can't remember his name right now. So Mac Brown and his staff start. The kid commits to UNC. To be fair, UNC hired his defensive backs coach. Yeah. So, um, so. I'm not saying Asante's going to go to UNC, but I, I think there will be some – I think at, at one point Virginia Tech and, and UNC were bumping heads a lot on the recruiting trail, and I haven't gotten the impression in the last year or two that they are. Uh, they, they did in the North Carolina, in North Carolina a decent amount, and Tech hammered them pretty good. But I mean, that was—I think that's going to change. I think that was a lot of that was due to, you know, Fedora was going to get fired, and I yeah. think those guys knew it. Yep. So thank you guys, uh, Mark and Eric, there for the questions. And, and Eric, Eric Carr has a question. Yes. What kind of impact do you think Kishon King will make this season? In my opinion, he's going to play as a true freshman, and he's going to play a lot. I think uh, out of every running back on the team, either signed or already on the team. Uh, I think he's the most likely guy to make a man miss in the open field and go 70 yards for a touchdown. Um, I also think he can help on special teams with with kickoff returns. I think he's a guy you want to throw the football to and get him out in space. Uh, I think he's going to play a lot this year at running back. And we were we were told by a, a, a staffer that Virginia Tech fans are going to really like Keyshawn King uh, as, well, as a person. Yeah, what a great recruiting story he has, too, yeah. um, that has, hasn't really gotten told. Virginia Tech went down to Florida to recruit Keyshawn King, and he was he was not interested in Tech. A couple of times, A couple right? of times. like He basically disappeared, didn't show up for the meetings, just no interest in Virginia Tech at all. Um a lot of these kids, I read their recruiting articles these days and their interviews, and they're like, I don't really know anything about Virginia Tech. Um, uh, you know, so Virginia Tech is not a big name nationally these days. Recruits don't think about Virginia Tech like they used to in the mid-2000s when we were coming off the Vic era. Um, so, But Zon Bergen kept plugging and plugging and plugging and somehow decided to get Keyshawn – or somehow got Keyshawn King to decide to visit. And he visited, and by the end of his visit, there was no doubt – in his mind where he wanted to go. He wanted to go to Virginia Tech. So this was a guy who first didn't even want to meet with the coaching staff because he had zero interest in Virginia Tech, and they kept working really, really, really hard to get him to visit. And maybe just to get him to shut up and quit bothering him, he decided to visit. Uh, and well, when he visited, he loved it, and now I, I think he's arguably the top recruit in this class. Now, is he the one at the end of the visit said to the staff and the coaching staff, so uh, what do, do I do I? if I'm interested in committing? Yeah, something like that. How do I yeah. go about that? Yeah. <laughs> And the staff said, well, you just commit, you know. So uh, um, now as a sidebar, yes, he may have a great personality, but we really don't get to see the personalities of the Virginia Tech players these days. They're, they, when they do speak with the media, they're coached on what to say. A lot of it's very bland. Um, mm-hmm. Now, having said that, I, I, I did enjoy seeing uh, 
I really wish they would let Bradbird get interviewed more often. It's, it's uh, too too bad he's not, yeah. he's not in anything more than a punter. But and I thought I think Reggie Floyd's got a pretty good personality. He does. Yeah. I thought Chris Cunningham was okay. That, yeah. That's kind of a non-starter. And you know, now. Willis had the good quote: "The scared money don't." Yeah, scared money. money. Maybe the quote it. of the year. Yeah. But that was a post-game quote, right? Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's it's not like uh, it's not like it was in the old days where who was it that said after that the Tech UVA game it was like UVA is soft or something like that to the media. Well, that could be any number of players. <laughs> I, I think it was back in the late '80s, early '90s, or something like that. And right. uh, you know, the, 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 players would just not be afraid to say anything. Corey Moore down at the Sugar Bowl, for example. Ooh. That that guy was just <laughs> it was much more entertaining, in my opinion. Corey yeah. Moore was welcome to the Terror Dome, right? That was the Clemson game. Well, yes. when he came out and did the end of the third quarter, I could tell Corey Moore, he has a lot. I mean, he was before my time, but he has a lot of emotion. I mean, you could tell he's a you know, big so, time. So I just had a thought. Corey Moore on the podcast is our white whale. What does that mean? A, the white whale is the whale you can't catch. Uh, I, would, I would love to have, have Corey, Corey Moore, Moore on the podcast. All right. <laughs> yeah. um, and we have, let's do two more questions. We've got one from Doug and one from Mike. Uh he wants to know what your thoughts are on Wheatley improving and becoming a regular, uh, looks like regular running back yeah. besides Jeff Sweet. Yeah, um, good question. I think Wheatley has speed. They like him with a ball in his hands, clearly, because he was a kickoff returner this year. He's got to get bigger in the upper body. But, you know, Fuente has said on record multiple times that they recruited him as a developmental guy. They didn't expect him to be a dominant player early in his career. So if he stays healthy and doesn't have to have shoulder surgery, which was a rumor at one point, uh, then I think he can steadily develop and become a good player. But, uh, you know, if, if he does have injured shoulders and it's going to make him make, make it very difficult to get bigger in the upper body, right, because you can't work out if you have injured shoulders. Uh, that's why shoulder injuries, to me, are the absolute the worst, worst injuries that a football player can get. Because, you know, you, know, you can tear your ACL and still do, do s- s- uh, some workouts with your upper body and, and things like that. Uh, but shoulder injuries, man, they, they really take you out of the strength and conditioning program completely. Do you remember what kind of offense he played in in high school? No, uh, I, I don't know. He went to Fork Union. It, it was – was it Holston that played in – Oh, yeah, Holston played in the wing tee and the full, yeah. was a fullback in the wing yeah, tee. Okay, so that was Holston and not Wheatley. Yeah. And last one from Mike. How do you see the cornerback situation working out, particularly Caleb Farley? I'd feel a lot better about it if, if I knew – if I thought Jeremy Webb was going to be healthy and – he came back from that first Achilles tear very, very quickly. So there's no reason to think that he won't rehab his other now-torn Achilles just as quickly. And he but doesn't have a third Achilles. Unfortunately, yeah, does not have a third Achilles. If he did, he probably would have torn it already. But uh, So I don't know. How, how much do those two injuries hurt him as far as his athleticism? Apparently he's a really hard worker, and he's got a positive mentality, which you have to have if you have injuries mm. like that. My yeah. goodness. Uh, if he's healthy – and he's 100%. He's no doubt in my mind he's one of those starting cornerbacks. And uh, and Caleb Farley's going to get better. And uh, I think he has a higher ceiling than the other cornerbacks that's played, that played this past year. Uh, Caleb Farley was an offensive player in high school. He was never asked to tackle anybody. Maybe never t- even taught how to tackle anybody until he got to college. And, yes, he's a redshirt freshman, but he tore his ACL and – while he was supposed to be red, uh, redshirting and developing, he was just doing rehab with his torn ACL, right? So the guy was basically a brand-new player, never played defense until he set foot on the field this past season. And, you know, I remember the first time I pl- 
ever set foot on the field having never played defense before in high school or played football in general and I went head to head with a with a future Marshall running back in the open field and he outweighed me by 20 or 30 pounds and it did not go well for me and so but I got better at it man gradually by my junior year I was a pretty decent uh, I was much better at tackling than, than I was when I was a freshman so uh Guys will get better, and he will improve. He's he just needs time, and he's got to get used to playing defense. I mean, it was unfair to him to have to ask him to start this past season. I mean, you you don't just don't grab a guy out of high school and say, here, start your first year at this position that you've never played. Uh, and, and the fact that he was, but you're these days, all games are on TV, and you're you're just out there exposed to everybody. And, uh, and so you got to have some mental toughness to, to make it through that, though. But uh, I still like his long-term potential. I just think it's unfortunate that he had to be put on the field before he was ready. I think we've had some good players before that uh, maybe the, maybe we wouldn't have thought so much of them early in their career if they'd had to play, but they didn't have to play. And, and Justin Hamilton was one of the recruiting night speakers, I believe, was at the Northern Virginia uh, recruiting event and one of the things he talked about was that they yes they have worked with the corners on being more physical playing more physical tackling more physical and it just hasn't translated to the field yet so you know they're not dummies they know it's an issue and something they need to work on yeah well uh let's uh let's let's do this as we wrap up uh, football talks here on the tech sideline podcast what are we doing on time here will we are mm, right at an hour. Right at an hour. Okay, we're gonna let's let's give it ten more minutes. I have a topic that some sometimes I'll, I'll plan out what we're talking about, and then sometimes things will just uh, they'll just kind of hit me on things to say. So I had this thought, and I want to do a special segment, impromptu. I've not told them what we're gonna do here for this. I want to ask you guys off the top of your head, with no research okay. or no stat, this question: two sports. Can you name me your personal, not what you think the perspective of Hokie fans would say, your personal top five tech football and tech basketball players of all time? Okay, top five. Uh, your personal. I'm not saying the big, the biggest impact sure, on tech. Sure. Your top five. You think the top five best pro players to ever come through both programs. Um, I, you know, I've got to go Vic for football, of course. Yeah, that's easy. Um, that, yeah. Uh, I think the best, and after that, I'm thinking pure football players that correct were big time players. Uh, I think Brandon Flowers at cornerback is, is you know Jimmy Williams was great for one year and really good another year. I think Brandon Flowers was a great football player his entire career. Um, uh, so he's on my list. Um, Vince Hall is on my list. Um, outstanding Mike linebacker. JC, great college football great player. college football player. J.C. Price is on my list. Any defensive tackle, they can get four sacks against Miami. And the guy could barely stand up because his back was so bad. Um, he's on my list. Uh, man. After, you're, up, you're up to four now? I'm up to four. Uh, and I, I got through those four pretty easily. Um, I, I, there are so many options for that, for that other so, spot. So let me jump in while you think about it. Uh, Vic, of course, uh, I'm a big Bruce Smith fan. Uh, Bruce played three of the four years I was at Tech, so and I got. To see I him would play say Bruce, lot. but I never saw him play. Of Man, course, the way, so the way that guy moved, he was a, he was a he was a chunky dude when he was in uh, college, but he still moved really well. Um, I've always been a huge Lee Suggs fan. Uh, Lee just, I mean, for those of you that watched him play, just just picture in your mind Lee running a toss sweep on the goal line. You're not going to stop that. But the thing I really liked about him was how fast he hit the hole. 
he would take the handoff and hit the hole before the defense had a chance to really figure out what was going on. And if he got free, he had excellent speed. Um, even even the brief time he played in the NFL, I saw him turn the corner on an NFL defense and outrun NFL defenders down to the other end of the field. After that, uh, you know, maybe Jim Pine. I didn't watch Jim Pine a lot. Uh, he was a center, so who watches the center a lot? Well, and I've told the story before, I think, on the podcast of the, the 1993 Syracuse game when Tech was playing for a bowl bid that day, and, and they stomped Syracuse. And, and I spent the fourth quarter watching him block, and he was driving guys 10 yards downfield every single play. I could tell he was getting his hands up inside their jerseys. He was just manhandling them. Um, and then I stu- – it's I'm, – I'm, I've got mine. And these people on Twitter are absolutely right. On um, Facebook, you mean? So excuse me, Facebook. Say? Ryan Williams is, yeah. abs- is absolutely in my yeah. top five. I'm glad yeah, this is getting some uh, some feedback. Yeah. yeah. So, so here's what I'm. So I'm going to give you my top five, and the reason I want to interject is because I feel like I have a different perspective of just when I want to give in my lifetime who I've seen. I'm talking that I can really remember. Okay. So this is your personal the top last ten five. years. <laughs> exactly. Really. I mean. Uh, I in in this is really in no specific order, but I'm talking about pure talent. I want to, I'm I'm putting Tyrod in there because I just re- can remember, you know, again at, in my lifetime of quarterbacks, I think Tyrod's probably the best quarterback I've ever seen mm-hmm. personally play was Tyrod, and he could just do some magical things. Not even just the Nebraska game, but the, the way he moved in the pocket, he made a bad offense look good. And the, you uh, know what? The, the if you remember the thirty-one, you remember yeah. the Stanford game where he danced around and oh, threw yeah. that tiptoe pass to. You mean uh, the only good thing in the, the entire Stanford <laughs> game? Yes. Uh, so, so Tyrod. <laughs> so let in, me tell you a story about that. So yeah. he, he threw that pass right in front of was it Jim Harbaugh? Which which yeah, it was Harbaugh? Harbaugh. It was Jim. And, and they, they did some talking to each other, and Tech fans were getting upset that Harbaugh had said something to Tyrod. And if I remember the story, Tyrod turned to Harbaugh and said, did I step out? And Harbaugh said, no, you didn't. Yeah. Oh, I saw, <laughs> I saw the video. There was a video of that. Yeah. They had them, you could hear them. There was a microphone close enough to both of them that you could hear them talk. That's pretty wild. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll go Tyrod. i got to put Cam Chancellor in there. Maybe my uh, – I mean, just the way he hit with authority, I think, is the way I want to say. Um, and again, I'm rambling. I really, I, I was gonna put Ryan Williams in there because I can, I can vividly remember just on on tosses when he got into open space. Wow, Why Ryan Williams. Corey Moore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another one. Someone, we've got a bunch of comments. We just went from like 25 comments to 38 <laughs> in a matter of two seconds. So we appreciate you, Facebook fan. And then I, you know, I, I so, want to so make I'd sure t- I take out Pond as much as I loved him and sub in Corey Moore. I, 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 yeah, I, I, I might have to take out somebody and put in Corey Moore too. Maybe right? Vince Hall put in. Corey uh, Moore. I don't think I can take Vince Hall. Out, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I also lo- I, I feel like one player goes underrated. I love J. Ron Hosley the way he yeah. was able to be a factor on special teams. Again, my lifetime, I'm 19. I was 99. So I'm just uh, and, and but and then honestly, after that, I mean, there's. There's still room. I love Danny Cole. I love the way that he was able to produce as a receiver. Um, I, I, you know, you, just a guy. But again, I love getting. I love the how we caught that touchdown on the Sugar Bowl. I do too. Um, so keep them coming. We'll read them off at the, just before we sign off. Keep so that's our top five football. I feel like uh-huh. basketball. But again, I, I think this is more pure. Your favorite and who the in the more not favorite the more talented like you saw wow that's the well, top that i five. saw see okay well i mean obviously dell's at the top of the list but i never saw him play yeah let's do this that you saw but in I, your lifetime chris cole was right. top five basketball players okay here's my starting one through five i was actually thinking about this <laughs> the other day no kidding okay. yeah so you got a head start yeah I've, justin robinson is my point uh 
Actually, I forgot who my two and three were. Uh, <laughs> well, your two's got to uh, be Dell. Uh, no, I never saw him. Oh, okay. You were talking about people I yes, saw play. I, Honestly, my two's probably Nikhil. So it's our current backcourt. Um, oh, good. I'm going to skip the three right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my four is Bryant Matthews. And my five is Kerry Blackshear. So that's three of our current really like five. Uh, well, who else? What's your other option at center? Well, when you're young, yeah. Uh, your other option I'm about that young, man. <laughs> younger uh, than I. Yeah. The other option at center is Coleman Collins. I thought I was about to say Coleman Collins in his prime was an outstanding yes, basketball player. Yes, he was. Uh, uh, and, 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 it's, and it's unfair to Coleman to judge him. Or Kerry's got a better offensive coach. Kerry's been developed better. Yeah. I think he's a good cultural personality fit for the program he's in. I don't think Coleman was a good fit for Seth Greenberg for their personalities and the, that team and things like that. But anyway, that, that's another conversation. That's a whole other podcast. Uh, yeah, that's a whole <laughs> other podcast. Oh my goodness. Uh, I need a I'm, Jamon's in there. I'm yeah. three yard lineup. Jamon's playing defense. That's fine. We could yeah, th- we could yeah. be a small or a big lineup here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, let's so, hear yours. Well, well, what you got? I've got him at a disadvantage because I watch Del Curry play and I watch Bimbo Coles play. And, and if you Dave DeCerbo says Robert Crabendam. He's probably my sixth man coming off <laughs> the bench. Alvaro Tor, man. Alvaro Tor. <laughs> so the, the one and two is easy. It's Dell and Bimbo. Um, my center. My center, um, you know, Tech does not have a glorious history of centers. Um, I did not see Wayne Robinson play. Uh, Wayne Robinson was an excellent player, and even some of the guys older than that. Um, so I can't put Wayne Robinson there. Uh, gosh, I would probably take – and I know everybody's going to joke Jimmy Carruth. No. Um, I would probably take Coleman Collins in his prime, probably his sophomore year. I think, I think that's, a, that's a viable uh, option there. At the three, um, man, I don't – what do you think about Jamon at the three? That's what I just uh, – yeah. he's on mine. Yeah. I love Jamon. Three, it's man. a three-guard lineup. I mean, J- and Jamon can defend three different positions. So, he would yeah, fill the stat sheet. Yeah. And your four, uh, I don't know if you'd want Bobby Beecher. To, give me some fours. Uh, is Jeff Allen a four? Yeah. 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 I feel like we're Jeff missing Allen Jeff Allen. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Jeff Jeff would, would uh, commit a lot yeah, of fouls, no, some real, Jeff, some imagined. Jeff was a great talent, but uh, for my fours, I'm picking between him and Bryant Matthews, and I'm going oh, Bryant Matthews, Matthews every day, yeah. no question. If, if there was one player from Tech's past I would add to this current team, it would be Bryant Matthews. That'd get 6'7", 225, average, what, 19 a game and 9.8 rebounds as a senior year. With no help. And he, he was fresh. making threes. Oh, he was man. shooting threes. Are we, now, awesome. Yeah, help me put this into perspective on this player. Uh, Deron Washington, where does he rank? Hmm. Uh, he's a really great athlete, uh, and uh, and you would you could have him in there for his versatility. He's a guy you you put he can play the three or the four, defend the three or the four. Um, so I don't know. It, it depends on your. Because I, I, I was too young to really. I was like third or fourth grade, so I don't remember I, him well. But I remember people talking about his dunk against Duke. Oh, I, I think I think Duran was a great, great, great athlete. There's no question about that. But I think he was a little more athlete than he was basketball player. And he became more of a basketball he, player. He as became a, a better shooter and, and later in his career that. and everything. Yeah. And then another four. I don't know if he was a four. Was Ad Vasayo a four? Ad was a three who could defend the four. Uh, he could play four if you were in a small lineup, but he didn't play a heck of a lot of defense. So I, I think it's funny that you talk about <laughs> this. No like, foul. You know, I, so foul. someone threw in Eric Green. I mean, when's the last time Tech had ACC Player of the Year yeah, yeah. from that context? Yeah, the, and the thing about, and this is not fair to Eric per se, but Eric played on that team when he was ACC Player of the Year. There was nobody else on that team that could play. I mean, if if you wanted to score, he had to shoot. 
right? and he did make some some phenomenal. Yeah, oh, plays. he was a he made some phenomenal plays, but if he played on a team with a couple of other good players on it, then he's averaging 18 a game instead of 24 or 5 or whatever it was. Now, he, he easily wins the award for the guy who developed the most. Yeah, because his first year, a lot of fans on our board, like, probably oh. myself included, were like, why, why does we that guy this have a scholarship? Guy uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, I thought that would be a fun, and the only other name I can, I'm not going to put a top five out there, but I also think the name, too, it's fun to rank your point guards. Because you think about the point guards Tex had, maybe that's the deepest position. Because you've got yeah. you've got Robinson, Curry, Malcolm Delaney. Yeah, yeah right, right. Who's fantastic? We'll see if I, I mean, was if I was going to play Delaney. If he was on my team, he'd be the two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he played the point for Tech, but that team didn't really have a true point. point. Seth Greenberg called him a ball guard. Fair, fair, fair uh, label, in, in my opinion. He wasn't a true point. He was our top scorer. But he was the guy bringing the ball up the court and initiating the offense. But uh, we, just, we haven't had that many natural point guards through the years either. So, so on Facebook Live, has the name Al Young come across yet? So here's what I was saying. Nah, Chris, can you go, no can you go Young. up? There, it, there, was a, there was a Zach Liday. Eric Carr mentioned Zach Liday at the four. Well, I, hmm, would I take him or Perry Young first? I'm not sure. Uh, Perry might have. Might have, Perry was a four. Real quick, do you mind going up and just just reading off some names we haven't mentioned yet? I'm just curious to get everyone's involvement here. Well, on besides this. Robert Crabbendam and Alvaro uh, Torre, yeah, you know, <laughs> all right. Delaney, Jamon, we got them. Alan Bristow, uh, yeah, didn't see Bobby Stevens, uh, uh, let's see, Bimbo, obviously, uh, Del Solomon. Yeah, Dale is Dale was gone before I got. To yeah, and I, it was he, before I was he, born. He was, so. he, he's also one Ace of, Custis, one of, one of the best fours ever to play at Tech. We we, we didn't talk about Ace Custis. He, at he all. went through my mind, but and, I didn't say his name. Uh, yeah, you know, Ace is one of those guys who I think was was. A, well, oops, I accidentally exited out of the chat. But uh, <laughs> uh, I think he was a really really good college player. It's hard for me to tell, and I know his number got retired. He was a great rebounder. Uh, he was a good scorer, but not an elite scorer. It's it's really hard to get a feel for how good he was because he played on such a slow-paced off. I mean, that the offense that uh, Bill Foster ran, great basketball coach, don't get me wrong, but uh, it was like, you know, Watching a couple of snails race. I mean, that that's how entertaining it was. And he had uh, some guys that got ball too, like Damon Watlington yeah, in, yeah. in a free flowing offense. Yeah, what would have been a good play. As good as he was. And Sean Good was a really good athlete and yeah, could, could man, play he in could that jump. type. Uh, yeah, exactly. So uh, you know, it's it's really hard to compare some of these guys because they played in different such different systems. Like when I sit there and think about. Ace Custis, how would he look in Buzz's system? Well, not to well, mention, I, I think Bryant Matthews would be a monster right now for Virginia yeah. Tech in this system. Playing you're you're right, and that's the whole thing about the MJ LeBron argument is that the game is so different when they played, and the and the three yeah. point oh, has changed. Yeah, so I would go LeBron there because he's more versatile and can play four different spots. Well, I right, I'm gonna I'm gonna but. answer this one last comment, <laughs> and then we will. All right, so Dave wants to know. This he gave two starting fives, and he wants to know who wins. I think this is interesting. All right. So first team: J. Rob, Hill, Blackshear, Nikhil, Outlaw. Okay, so basically the current team right now versus mm-hmm. Gordon, Collins, Washington, oh. Dowdle, and Vasayo. Mm. That's a good question. I'd pay right. money to watch that. That, that, that <laughs> first team uh, is is going to be a better shooting team, even though the second team does have Vasayo. 
Um, uh, that 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 is that is a tough one. Um, Jamon is a headache, man. Yeah, uh, yeah, because he could he could defend. If anybody's gonna if anybody's gonna neutralize a guy like Alexander Walker, you know, it could it could be Jamon. He could really frustrate him because he's such a great. Because he he was he was about six. How tall was Jamon? Jamon was six three, but he played six five or six six. Man. Yeah, yeah. Um, he had nineteen rebounds once in a game, I think, at at six three. At sixteen. 16. Yeah, and he said after the game, man, 16 rebounds. If I were in high school, our head coach would be making our big men run if a guard got 16 <laughs> rebounds. Because um, Coleman got three rebounds that night. The, the wit and wisdom of Jamon Gordon. Yeah. So, uh, I, I don't know, but just between me Gordon and you and the people on the radio, I'm not sure about that airplane. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, this, this, this has been fun. I appreciate it. We didn't it. answer the question. We didn't. Uh, mm. it, you know, it's, it's, it's really, really hard because when I picture – Robinson and Hill and Blackshear, Alexander Walker and Outlaw, I picture them how they are under Buzz Williams, which is a much more entertaining team than than the team that was coached so by Seth Dowdell, Greenberg. Gordon, and who? Washington, uh, Collins, and Visayo. Mm, man. I'd, I'd pay money to watch a best-of-seven series between those yeah, two. Well, that's what Russell is saying. He goes, Tech needs uh, the basketball tournament team. You know, when these – a bunch of – basically, um, there's this big tournament with teams. I think they compete for, like, I don't know, it's $100,000, $500,000. And a lot of times it's teams that are just made up of X players. So, like, VCU has a team, and it's a lot of the Final Four guys. It's on ESPN. Uh, they've been hosting What's the last it two years. Uh, the basketball tournament. The and, basketball and, team. And they could host games here. Like, they host games at VCU, and then the Final Four is in Madison Square Garden. So, like, Ohio State had a team last year. Aaron Kraft was the point guard. I mean, so it's a lot of these schools that – and they're called, like, Ram Nation, like VCU. So, it would be like, the, the Hokies. So that would be cool. Like, you, you bring a bunch of, you know, like, Malcolm in I, and I'm, Jeff. I'm going with this team, this Which current one? team. The current team? Yes, uh, okay. J-Rob, Hill, Blackshear, Naw, and Outlaw. Because everybody – all right, as fondly as I remember – that other group, their junior year, they had a losing record. You know, they made one NCAA tournament, and I'm so I'm assuming this game that gets played between these two theoretical lineups that they're both getting coached by the coach that actually coached them. <laughs> okay, right. Well. So we're talking Buzz versus Seth, <laughs> and I'm, we'll I'm going to go with too. Buzz there. So. All uh, right. So I'm going to go with this current group. All right, so here's what we're going to we're going to stop the conversation here. I would love to see this continue on the message boards. Let's throw this up there. Top five, I would love to see what people come up with. And if people want to answer the starting uh, this five versus five, let's keep it going on the message boards after this because we are really short on time. This has been one of our longer. Yeah, yeah we're up to, You uh, said we 77 10 minutes. more minutes and we up going 17 more minutes. Yeah, so yeah. let's do this. Let's wrap up. Uh, I'm, uh, we got a Friday Q&A tomorrow on TechSideline.com. We, we are going to have one, absolutely. And I forget again to say this at the beginning, but what can we do about getting a potential subscription for those that want to subscribe to TechSideline? You go to the website, and if you have never registered and logged in, there will be a sign-up link in the upper right-hand corner. Hit it, and you can just figure it out from there. If you are registered and you're a free user, log into the site, click your username, and look for, I believe it's uh, add slash buy subscription. It's pretty, uh, you know, it, it's pretty easy. You can figure it out. Awesome. Well, we got a lot of great stuff on there. We'll have this podcast up soon. Archive for those that are watching on Facebook. We'll have this up soon on our SoundCloud and Apple Podcast page. So, any last closing thoughts before we sign off? Just whatever you do, just I, I don't know if you're the church going type or not, but pray for Justin Robinson. <laughs> <laughs>
all good thoughts and vibes to Justin Robinson, man. <laughs> and absolutely remember that uh, there's 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 a handful of very tasty players in the pot for signing day on next Wednesday, February. That's right. 6th. And I had an, I had an article out today, yeah. going over the guys that still might sign with Virginia Tech on on Wednesday. Yeah, so, so we got that's very informative. Subscriptions are eight fifty a month, eighty five dollars a year. Ask somebody you know who subscribes. Quit using their login. Get your own subscription. <laughs> and ask somebody you know who subscribes, and they'll tell you it's worth it. Fantastic. Well, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Again, we're recording on January 31st, just around 3 o'clock is when we are wrapping up. We'll talk to you next week. We'll have an update on signing day. We'll talk hokey men's hoops. For Will Stewart, Chris Coleman, I'm Evan Hughes. Have a great week, Tech fans. Mm-hmm.